This is the 10-Minute Law Firm Podcast, brought to you by Rocket Matter. This is the 10-Minute Law Firm Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Port, CEO of Rocket Matter, provider of the world's most amazing and exciting and supersonic legal software. So I am very excited to have with us today a friend of mine, Brett Burney. He is the principal of Burney Consultants, and he's in Ohio. So he does a lot of help with the e-discovery, uh, using Macs in a law office, and he's very interested in using apps in, in law. And he's the co-author of the ABA best-selling book, Max in Law, uh, which is very exciting. So welcome, Brett. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. It's good to be here. So, okay. Now, um, you're very interested in how people use their apps in law. Yeah. So, um, and there's more than just, well, of course, there's the most incredible Rocket Matter app that they can use yep. in their law firm um, on Android and iOS. Uh, but aside from that, you know, there's stuff to select juries. There's like PDF annotators. There's like, it's, it seems to be endless. So how do you go about doing this? Yeah. So uh, you and I both know the ABA puts out an annual technology report. Yes. And where they go through, and obviously it's a variety of different things that they look at. But you know, I'm always I'm always interested in what are attorneys doing for mobile devices, and just in for 2018, um, uh, it's about 95 percent of lawyers are using mobile devices in their practice. I don't know what the other that last five percent are doing, but is it still vastly? iOS over Android it is. too. Yeah, okay. so it's gone down just a little bit now. Uh, it used to be as high as like eighty six percent of that ninety five percent were using iPhones as their primary mobile device. It's gone down um, in the like maybe the last six years to seventy two percent now are using iPhone, and so about twenty five percent or so around there are using Android. And then God bless them, there are still some apparently out there that are on BlackBerry and Windows devices. But hey, hold you know keep 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 the I saw one so, recently. Did I you? saw. I saw. It was like it was like square shaped. It was like it looked like if it was a piece of paper, I could fold it up and make it into an origami crane. So this this has just always been a passion of mine because it's you know there's that, that it tickles the little you know shiny nerd geek part of my brain where it's like what are people able to do? How much work can you do remotely today? This is the way the world is going. It almost feels like there's an expectation that. As lawyers, you should be able to get your work done from wherever you are. It's not like you need a big room or you know uh, smoky mirrors or or you know wood paneled uh, conference rooms. It's like you should be able to jump, sit down, and be able to type and access your work and your documents wherever you are. And so that's what continues to fascinate me about this. I started this blog appsinlaw.com which is just a, a ton of fun i do short little video reviews of the different apps that people would use like uh, text expander and i annotate and pdf expert and transcript pad and some of those you were just mentioning there to be able to annotate some files to be able to uh, 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 organize your transcripts for example and also do a short little podcast talking to different attorneys there about what apps are they using in their business uh, we talked with um I talked with Heidi Alexander not too long ago, uh, where you know she talks about using Evernote, and she's not a practicing lawyer, at least a little bit maybe that she does, but she works for uh, lawyers concerned for lawyers up there in Massachusetts, which is a great organization. But she talked about that. I talked about Evan Klein, another guy that we both know from from Milo. 
he's a little bit on the nerdy side, which is why we love him so much. But he uses Devin Think in his practice. Talked with Jeff Richardson, so many of our friends that I is just Devin Think is Devin Think like a transcription thing or it, what is that? It can be. It's more of like I would think of it like a a really high end, uh, very customizable file management system. You can you can organize files, you can access oh. files. So, yeah, you know, you know, Evan, just like I do, he's such a fantastic guy and he has really tweaked that system to where, just like I was talking about earlier, he can get access to anything he needs at any time. If he's out of the office, a client calls, he needs to get access to a document. He can do that. He can organize, search for his documents across anywhere. You know, that's one of the dreams. I mean, that's our work, right? That's as, as lawyers, our work product is really in the represented in the documents and the documentation and today the electronic files that 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 we utilize and access every day that's that's how we prove that we've done our work and so to me an emphasis on that is just so important in making sure that you can get access to that and that's typically what i talk about people using ipads for use it as like a digital manila folder if you have your documents up in rocket matter or if you have it in dropbox or something along those lines then that means you have access to them Wherever you are, that is so incredibly powerful. You don't have to print things out before you leave the office anymore. You just make sure that you have your iPad charged up so that you can access it from there. Are people, um, let me ask, are people using iPads kind of like a consumption device as opposed to a production device? Is, is it still kind of that way? Yeah, it, to an extent. And so the way I always answer that question is, that's great. Because what do the vast majority of lawyers do every day, all day long? We consume information. So I tell people a lot of times, it's like if you think about the iPad as a consumption device, then fantastic because that's what we have to do all the time. I do read books. I do read documents on there. But it certainly over, you know, the, the iPad was introduced in 2010, right? So we've only had it now for about eight years or so, almost, almost 10, uh, nine years now. But it has changed amazingly over those last few years uh in in one way it's good because there's so many things that the newer ipads can do but the ipad is so good that many times i go into offices and i find people are using their same ipad from you know version two or three i mean very old huh. ipads at least from the technology side so but it's really changed recently yeah they, they don't break is the thing so the thing is with, with iPads, I find if you have it set up correctly, whether it's connecting to something like Rocket Matter through the app or you're connecting to Dropbox or using PDF Expert or some of these other apps in that way, is that you can access your files, you can consume the information in there, but you can also, I use it, I, I put it this way, I had to read a lot of case opinions when I was in law school and today with the discovery, I used to print them all out from Lexus or Westlaw. And then I'd have like a small little pencil bag of different colored highlighters and pencils and pens. And I would mark everything up. Oh, that sounds like fun. I was don't do Hello that anymore. Was Hello Kitty on the pencil bag? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, just, no. Kept, just asking. <laughs> evil Knievel. I go back a long time. So, <laughs> so today on the iPad, I just bring that up. And now I can highlight in, in any color that I want. I can make mark notes in the, in the margin and I keep it electronic. I can also today. So it's because a great markup thing for these absolutely. documents. Well, okay. here's the thing. You know, in 2014, Microsoft released the official apps, Office apps for the iPad. So now I can truly 
edit Microsoft Word documents. And now Microsoft works very well with something like Dropbox or even OneDrive, of course. So I can pull up a Word document, I can edit it, I can mark it up, I can do track changes, whatever I need to do, and it saves right back up into the cloud and I can access it or send it to anybody that way too. So it has changed, yes. It's taken a little bit longer, I think, than most people because most people want the iPad to replace their laptop. And that's great, I understand that, but that's not how Apple originally in, uh, intentioned the iPad to be. In fact, when Steve Jobs introduced it, he said, we're looking to see if there's a space for a third category of devices. Everybody already has a phone, a mobile phone. Everybody already has a computer, but can the iPad fit as a third category of devices? Now, we've changed that, and Apple has changed their mind a little bit. They now offer styluses, right, at the Apple Pencil. They now offer keyboards for it, which they didn't originally. But it has changed, and they are looking at that now as more of a creation device than a consumption device only. Interesting. So, um, okay, I have a question for you. What What's going on with um, – there's so much uh, uh, speech-to-text stuff uh, that are built into these yeah. devices natively. What is that doing to a company like Dragon? Are people still using it, or, or has, has, has speech-to-text changed a lot? Uh, I, I think it's definitely changed. It, it, my personal opinion is it's going to the cloud. It's inevitable. It, it, for all of us that have used Dragon Dictate or the IBM Via Voice way back in the day, you had to spend you know, a lot of time, several hours training it because it all ran on your computer. It was very high overhead running on your computer. All of that's changed today. The reason that it was high overhead is because it takes a lot of computing power to try to understand what you're saying, the human voice with all of its quirks and intricacies, and then to create editable text out of that. But if you send that to the cloud, you've got the highest powered servers that can tackle that almost immediately and send it right back. Even so today, if you're my cousin Vinny. Pretty much. Right. So today you have Siri, you have you know Google Voice, you have uh, Cortana, I mean, these devices, everybody thinks, well, this is so great because Siri is very accurate. Well, the reason it is is because it ain't being done, transcribed on your phone or your iPad. It's actually getting sent up into the servers. Now, some of it can be done locally today. Most of it is still because it's gone up to the cloud. The issue, of course, comes into the confidentiality of what you're saying, right? People are a little bit nervous because this is the how Nuance is working with Dragon Dictate even today is that if you subscribe to their, I think it's Dragon Anywhere, I think is the app there, which is great. I know David Sparks likes that quite a bit because he does a lot of dictation there. But it is getting interpreted and transcribed in the cloud and then sent right back down. The issue people get a little bit nervous is, well, are they listening in <laughs> to right. everything that I'm saying Apple won't give us specifics on that. I don't even know if Google does, but the extent that they do tell us what they do is they keep it and listen to it in the aggregate from a computer side so that they can provide better accuracy on the transcription. Huh. So I tell people if you're not completely comfortable with that, then don't use the transcription services for anything that's confidential. I, I pretty much, I, I don't even subscribe to something like Dragon. I just use Siri and I do three or four sentences at a time. And it's amazing how accurate that it is. But this is the way that I dictate even articles and columns that I write. 
Uh, and then I have to go back and, of course, make some corrections and everything. But at least for me, at least, and probably for you too, Larry, is that having that initial time where I could pace around the room and just do a quick dictation of something that I'm thinking about at least gets me past that, you know, staring at a at a, at a blank page. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I get it down. I get something down and then I can go back through and rewrite it. At least that's my workflow. That's been good. No, that's really cool. Um, all right, I'm gonna give you an app that is like shockingly good in my oh opinion. Oh boy! Okay, and it's it's um, and it's nothing fancy at all. All right, but it's good old Shutterfly. So oh, yeah. So okay, so it just so happens today that for some reason they're they're doing like unlimited free magnet printing. Now I don't know if they're serious about this because I, I have an idea that I might want to print out a bunch of rocket matter magnets and send them to the thousands of law firms that use us. Right. But, um, but so anyhow, what, what, what I love about it is that, um, it'll, you can, you can configure it so that it will automatically upload all of your pictures, which, you know, takes a step yes. away from the whole, uh, workflow process of getting your pictures printed, especially if you do year end albums like we do. Right. Right. And it can do it from multiple devices. So when I take a picture, my wife takes a picture, it all goes to the same place. Um, and then it, it, you can actually do the little projects on it. You can print your mug, you can print your book, you can do whatever, whatever it is from the Shutterfly app. So if, if we're talking apps, I know it doesn't help with a law firm really, but that's my, uh, that's my app recommendation for today. Do you I have love one? It. I, I, I do. I love Shutterfly. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on just one little thing that you said there. I run into this all the time, Larry. People come to me and say, my phone won't back up. It's too full. What am I supposed to do? Turns out, nine times out of ten, it's because they got too many photos on there. It's great. We have fantastic cameras in our hands and in our pockets all the time. I love oh, yeah. it. But you take so many that you fill up either the storage on the phone or you fill up your iCloud, uh, typically on the, on the iPhone. You fill up your iCloud storage. But using something like Shutterfly or Google Photos or OneDrive or Dropbox, you can configure to where you can copy all your photos from your phone up to one of those services. It does take a while, similar to what you were just saying with Shutterfly. That's a fantastic tip because then you can delete the old pictures off of your phone and still have access to all of your pictures, whether it's in Google Drive or Dropbox or OneDrive or Shutterfly or one of those services that way. That's a great little tip on that too. Yo, that's a great tip. Do you have, um, do you have an app you'd like to share with a group? Uh, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to, this is such a great app. So it's, it's an app that I love, but it's also, um, uh, working in something that we should all be doing anyway. Uh, password management. Oh, I do not know how people can exist in the online world today without some kind of a password manager. And now there's several out there. If you've never done a password manager, maybe the first place to start is LastPass. Just like it says, LastPass, LastPass.com. But if you have an iPhone or an iPad, certainly if you have a Mac, you got to do 1Password. The numeral yeah. 1 and the word password, 1Password.com. You know, I would just say, you got to try it. If you are using the same password on more than one website right now, which I'm going to guess 99.9% .9 of the listeners are... <laughs> Because I still do a couple too, but I'm I'm phasing them all out. If you are using the same password in more than one website, you potentially are 
you 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 are in the danger zone. You're vulnerable. <laughs> you are vulnerable, exactly. Yeah, because once they get one pass once they get that password, they can use it to try and like attack other sites. Once they know that that one password is something that is legitimate from one website, I mean, they're not sitting there trying to, you know, it's not like somebody's, you know, in the basement, you know, <laughs> smoking and 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 trying to figure, you know, and, uh, trying to figure it out manually. No, there are computers that are running this, but they know they have a legitimate password. So, of course, they're going to try it against hundreds and thousands of websites. Anyway, don't need to get into it. I'm just saying, if you've never done a password manager, that is a great place to start to be technology competent and to just be more secure in what you're doing from a day-to-day -day aspect, just to know that you have that security. LastPass is a good one. I, I tell people it's very simple. If you've never done one before, it's a, you can do a free trial on that. But 1Password to me is so beautiful. It integrates directly within the iPhone and the iPad ecosystem. It works wonderfully on Mac. They even have a Windows version today. It's, it's subscription-based, but it's, it's very minimal for a year. Completely worth the investment for your security. So that's what I would say. You know, I love, because I can even go, just quickly, I can go to a website on my iPhone, and of course, it requires a password. So what do we do? Well, m many times, we just use our email address, and then we have one password that we all use, so I start typing it in. I don't have to do that anymore. On my iPhone, in my web browser, I tap in there, and now, at least with iOS 12, one password is completely integrated with the browser. And I just tap on that, uses my face ID to make sure that I am who I say that I am, and it fills out the password for me. And that password is like 24 alphanumeric characters long. I'm never gonna remember that, but I do know the one password that I do have to remember. And it That's still an scares me. It still yeah. scares people. I understand that. I know it's a little unnerving. Go and do a free trial. Spend 15 minutes on just better understanding what it can do. Read through it. Download the trial and try it out first. Because it is something that everybody, if you don't know it, you either, you either have it now and you're protected <laughs> or you don't have it and you are, you are vulnerable until you start using a password manager. Let me just uh, say that we use one password at Rocket Matter, and we use a business edition. So, yeah. like for the solo guys, like something you can use the individual like one password or or LastPass. That's right. But if you if you have like an organization that has like ten people, fifteen people, and you have turnover, and you're working in let's say hypothetically a field where there's a lot of confidential information. Yep. <clears throat> What having a business edition allows you to do is allows everybody to have passwords to access things, but they don't know what those passwords are. Right. And um, whenever they, um, whenever you terminate them or whenever they leave, then you can easily deactivate their passwords or change them, and um, so you can globally manage them from one place. So yeah, it has a, a really important security implication. Um, for people with you know growing firms or larger firms or, or, or things of that nature, so absolutely we rely on it too. That's a so, great that's a great point. And I would just say, even from a personal side, it's five dollars per month for an entire family for like five users. And, and Jeff Richardson on iPhoneJD.com, you know he's got a great blog at iPhoneJD.com. He wrote about this a couple of years ago where he switched over because there's always information you need to be sharing with your family. You know between your spouse, for example, you're sharing a bank account. Uh, email address or, or login, you can do all of that and share it and all have access to it securely from something like 1Password. But that's great, your, your point on the business side as well. 
I do believe that I have video from late one night at ABA Tech Show of you, me, and Jeff Richardson singing God Bless America at the top of our lungs with Steve Best on the piano. So, anyhow. Let's, let's, let's put that in one password and never share the password with anyone <laughs> on that, please. And drop it to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> Rock and roll. Hey, Brett, if people want to get in touch with you, how should they do so? Oh, man. You know what? Uh, probably the best way. I'd, I'd love it if people were able to visit appsinlaw.com, and then you can just send me an email at brett at appsinlaw.com. Uh, that's the easiest one, the more, the more fun one that people are finding these days. Uh, my, other, my, my, my primary business site is bernieconsultants.com, so either one of those will work. Wow. All right. Brett. Uh, by the way, if you need to reach me for whatever reason, Larry at RocketMatter.com. Put podcast in the subject line, and I will look through um, my scene box stuff, which we can discuss on another uh, episode. Ooh, yeah. And hopefully I will find it. Um, <clears throat> you will. Rocket Matter rocks. There you go. Um, anyhow, Brett, thank you so much for your time today. I do appreciate it, and I my wish pleasure. you the best of luck in the new year. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it, man. This is the 10-Minute Law Firm Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to rate and review so we can keep bringing you awesome content.